0: are you looking for inspiration on a daily basis well check out deal to heal teas with our inspirational teas you're sure to find something that will inspire you just go to deal to heal that's deal to heal teas some inspiration in your situation wear inspirational tea and be inspired all day that's deal to heal teas at deal to heal Hey guys, this is Ernest James, host of the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. And I got a question to ask you Could you buy me a cheeseburger? Better yet, could you buy me a value meal? Yes? Well, guess what? I don't need a value meal. However, for the cost of a value meal, you can support this podcast to keep us on the air. Just go to Patreon slash Deal to Heal podcast and choose any one of the three tiers that's available. And if you just want to make a one time donation, go to Cash App and make a donation to dollar sign E James, the number 418. Make a one time donation to the Cash App or again go to patreon to support this podcast and keep us on the air thanks in advance be blessed welcome to you to heal with e james podcast on this podcast welcome 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 to the deal to heal with e james podcast i'm your host ernest james and i believe that everyone can and should live a life that is whole healed and healthy and therefore i'm on a mission to help people to deal to heal and to fulfill to deal with your problems to heal from the pain and to fulfill your purpose thank you guys once again for tuning in to the deal to heal with e james podcast uh if you haven't already remember to listen like subscribe and share definitely uh, we're trying to get our YouTube numbers up so definitely want you guys to follow us there but make sure you follow us also on our Facebook page because we're able to uh, share information more so on a day-to-day basis and one-on-one basis um, for different things that we have going on uh, be it workshops or in live ev- uh, live events and there things like that so definitely want to um, follow us on our Facebook uh, facebook page and also when you follow the podcast on the facebook page it will ask you to be or if you want to become a member of our private deal heal, fulfill community uh, we're definitely working on that definitely bringing some things to the community um, that we never that can't necessarily share on the podcast um, but definitely uh, pouring into and adding some value in that area so you want to make sure that you follow us on our facebook page Uh, for the podcast and join the Facebook, I mean, join the deal, heal, fulfill community. Also, you guys, uh, I can tell you, I'm going to tell you how you can win a hundred dollars from the podcast. Um, but you got to stay to the end in order to get that information. But you can win a hundred dollars and it don't cost you nothing, you get it for free. But so, but you got to stay to the end to get that information. But we're going to jump right in today, just like any other day. We are blessed with a guest, Mr. RJ. How are you doing?
1: I am doing very well. Thank you.
0: Yeah, good, <laughs> Lots of
1: in this household tonight.
0: <laughs> good. So first of all, let me say uh, thank you for being here. Uh, you could have been anywhere else and doing anything else. And I know you're a family man, so I know that you have other things that you could have been doing. But you took our time to be here with myself and my guests, and I definitely appreciate it. So uh, RJ, just to get started, uh, introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us exactly what it is, who you are, and what it is that you do.
1: Um, My name is RJ Zimmerman. I am a podcast host of a podcast called Untapped Keg, uh, where I talk about the different perspectives in a sobriety and mental health. So hopefully you could take a little bit and put it into your life because we're not all one for one you can't do the same things and make it work. So at least there might be something that might interest you that you might be able to take out of the perspectives that we kind of look into. Um, I myself, I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober for eight and a half years. Um, I did not use a 12 step program or AA. I did it myself and through therapy. And honestly, the podcast has really transformed my sobriety as well. Just talking with different people, hearing their stories, Finding different perspectives, uh, like I said, that it's things that I didn't even think that I should look into. Things I didn't, I didn't know, um, were kind of eating at me. Have come up through the podcast and have really helped me to get on a journey of self healing and not just doing this, not drinking, but also just trying to be my best self.
0: Right, right, good, good. So, RJ, I, I want to um, so one of the things that I kind of mentioned to you a little earlier about why I want you to have on have you on because uh, uh, you said you were an alcoholic and although my personally personally you know I'm not an alcoholic um, but there's a reason for that and the reason for that and I'm gonna talk a lot about my dad and I hope you don't mind dad I love you uh, but we're going to talk about a little bit about my dad because my dad was an alcoholic uh, for a long time. And just because of that, the things that I've seen um, was one of the reasons why I don't drink, you know, and I didn't drink. And then because of the things that I've seen with how it affected him. Um, So we're going to go, we're going to talk about that a little bit, but I want to go back a little bit in your life because I'm sure that, you know, of course you didn't grow up just drinking automatically. It had to be, some things that you were exposed to, or just some things that happened that you decided to even start drinking. So let's go back to the earlier years of, of, of RJ. And again, I speak for, for my family, you know, growing up with a dad who was an alcoholic uh, due to some circumstances that happened in his family uh, or in his life, should I say? So what was life like uh, as with RJ as a, as a child, um and even in the examples of of just drinking whether for leisure or whatever was was that something that was in your household you know on a regular basis that you were exposed to or was it something you just got into as a teenager
1: um well it's kind of ironic that we've walked different paths because we do have similar fathers where my dad has been sober for close to 30 years now um and he would say that he's sober. He, or he wouldn't even say sober. He just says he doesn't drink. Um, he's never called himself an alcoholic and doesn't look at himself that way, which is fine. You got to do what works for you. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I knew growing up that alcohol, the problems with it ran in my family. I saw it in my grandpa. I, my dad's dad, I saw it in my uncle's, um, and that of course my dad Mm -hmm. so i was scared to touch alcohol for a couple reasons and number one was that but number two was i was scared to miss sports so i didn't start drinking till i was 18 Mm -hmm. um it was after homecoming i got drunk for the first time and it was just a feeling of everything in the back of my like in my head slowed down it was like i just I stopped caring as much almost like able to let go. And then everybody started to look at me different. Like think that I was fun. Think that I was uh, a lot better person to be around. Like I was accepted. Mm -hmm. And so that is really what I got addicted to was that feeling. And that, I don't know why, but after that night, I didn't drink again until I graduated high school. And then I got drunk with uh, my dad's coworkers because in Wisconsin, um, it's legal to give your child alcohol at any age,
0: as long as your parent
1: is there. So I asked my dad for a real drink at a coworker's going away party. And he's like, all right, I'm going to get you so drunk that you're never going to want to drink again and I proceeded to drink my dad's coworkers under the table and um, they all thought it was amazing like oh look at little RJ because most of them knew me from the time I was you know knee high and that was like just cemented that oh this is how people like me more like this is I'm kind of these the center of attention and I've never been that way I never really wanted to be that but it was just that feeling of uh, of acceptance and something I never had internally. So take that to college years, and it's a similar thing. Like every time we have a party, everybody's like, "Hey, where's RJ? Can you know when's RJ gonna get here?" So that kind of really put it into it. And towards the end of my college years, um, I would know exactly where the specials were: dollar specials, five dollar Long Island's be able to go out every single night, get drunk. But I wouldn't just get drunk, I'd get blackout. So I decided I needed a change, so I moved cities. And I didn't know what I wanted to do because I had gone to school for six years, still didn't have my bachelor's degree. I'm a year from graduating. And I decided that I was going to go be a, a line electrician, high voltage line tech. So I go to school for that, and I stopped drinking because I knew that I shouldn't say stop. I cut way back in my frequency of drinking, but every single time I drank, I drank till I blacked out every single morning. I'd wake up and I look in the mirror and I would just hate the person I'm looking at. And I mean, absolutely hate and loathe. And then my next is my next concern is who do I have to apologize to for last night?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I came to a place where I had graduated from line school with you know, everybody was like, "You're gonna, you're gonna go on and be great." And this is what my dad did, so I kind of knew what I was getting into. Um, anybody who knows about high voltage line text, you're on call twenty four seven. Power goes out, they gotta call somebody. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes it's a bigger emergency, like there's a line down, on a car, or uh, firefighters are waiting for you to turn electricity off to go into a building. Sometimes. So I knew I wasn't gonna be able to drink often. And I got drunk one night at home with my friends and I had no idea how I got home and I had plans with my girlfriend the next morning. And I texted her, I said, Hey, I'm not going to make it. And she's like, I know I expected it. Mm
0: -hmm. And I'm already
1: not able to really look in the mirror. I'm, I can't keep anything down. I'm throwing up I'm like, if I want to have a career, and a family, if that's what I want as a person, I'm going to have to stop. And that was the last time that I drank. It was my first two-day hangover, and I couldn't keep anything down till about 2 am uh, for a full day. Not even water. Everything came right back up. And from that point, i've been I haven't drank and really was focused on building a career something I could do to support my family and then building my family that I wanted to support.
0: Hmm, okay, cool, cool. So I, I want to go back because you, you, you mentioned something that uh, I think is a a big turning point for a lot of people. Uh, and so I'm already talking about my dad, but I'm going to bring my brother in it too now. So <laughs> I hope they don't mind. So uh, my brother should be used to it. Cause I talk about him all the time. So my brother is, Uh, literally one year and 11 days younger than me. Okay. And we are like total opposites, right? And our personalities and our lifestyles, you know, everything. And so growing up, again, me seeing my dad, you know, uh, struggle with, you know, alcohol and and the things that came around that, to me, it was like, you know what, I'm not even you know, like yourself, you said you could see it in your family going back. You know, we didn't have it in our family, you know, like that. Well, you could trace it, but it was enough that it was just my dad. You know, it was enough for me just seeing Mm -hmm. him and the struggle that he went through. It was like, all right, I ain't taking no chances because I don't know if it's heredity, you know, so I don't know if that one drink, you know, today might never stop. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, I'm not touching it. You know, uh, my brother, on the other hand, (laughs) <laughs> was like the opposite way, you know, he's like, yeah, I want it, you know, and I think that when we got into our teenage years, uh, it also was a, a thing of acceptance too, because you know, like I said, he's only one year younger than me. So we pretty much had the same friends, you know, the same group of people that we kind of hung out with. Um, so when we got in our teenage years and there were, you know, uh, a group of us or a group of friends within our circle that, you know, Hey, they wanted to start drinking and, and smoking and things like that. You know, on me, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. You know, <laughs> I, I don't need it. I don't, I'm not doing it, you know. Um, but he, on the other hand was like, yeah, I'm down for it. And, you know, that kind of took him, you know, again, we're, we're, we're totally opposites to both of us, but it's just that seeing the same example, you know what I mean? And just having two different viewpoints, of that example. But also, you know, like you said, about, you know, people liked you better or, you know, you kind of fit in more, it kind of goes or as to that, you know, uh that group, the group uh mentality, I should I say, you know, I want to be accepted. I want to fit in. Mm-hmm. You know, me personally, I didn't have a problem with it. I'm like, hey, I'm a loner. I don't care about being alone because I'm not going to do something that I don't want to do, you know, just to fit in. Um, and even to the point that Again, we still had the same friends. We still were in the same circle. So even after they started drinking and stuff, it was always like, all right, Ernest, when are you going to drink? You know, you got to get some of this. And I'm like, no, I, I don't want it. And so my uh, thing that I started saying to them, OK, I will drink when I'm old enough to buy it myself. So we're in Illinois, land area. So okay. be at least 21 to drink. Mm-hmm. Right, so I'm like, so that kind of gave me a couple years, you know what I mean? But they didn't bother me because I was like, hey, when I could buy it myself, then I'll drink. Um, But they didn't forget that. So the day I turned 21, they was like, all right, let's go. You know, (laughs) I did uh, have my first drink at 21. Um, Good for you. Drink. uh, I did. I didn't get blackout drunk, but I did get drunk enough that I can feel it you know, I can feel, you know, that I was, my, my balance was off a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. And so again, having that example of watching my dad, you know, I'm like, yeah, this is not what I want, you know? And so, um, for a couple years, you know, on and off at a party or so, or whatever, you know, I did drink, but never drink to that extent, you know, it was like all right, I'll take a drink or whatever, but never like, all right, fall out, or anything like that until then i was just like you know what i again i don't care about fitting in you know whatever that is just not for me i was just doing it to fit in it was like all right i'm done with that you know and so i stopped drinking you know uh have never smoked because definitely didn't want to do that so so never <laughs> smoked anything never yeah. uh any other rec- recreational drugs or anything like that um but again just that example of how you got two people You know, that sees the same example, but yet it still comes to two different, you know, um, mindsets of how they view it, you know. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about, because you, you, you mentioned about as you were growing in yourself and coming to yourself to realize, you know what, if I want better, I have to make a decision to change, you know. But I think that, uh, and I I think you mentioned a little bit about it um, right before we started recording, that it's it's more to being sober than just not drinking, you know? And and I say this when I'm talking to anybody that's dealing with any kind of addiction. It's like, you have an addiction, generally, generally it's for a reason. It's something that you're trying to get over, trying to run from, trying to do whatever, that you are leaning so heavily on this, you know, uh, substance that, you know, you need to, to get away from whatever it is. So even when you stop using the substance, if you don't find out what that, that, uh, thing was that you need to deal with, then you are still going to have a void and you're going to fill it with something else, you know? And. So it's like you need to get to the the bottom of whatever that is. So it's kind of yeah. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, just mental health and and dealing with, you know, with your sobriety and how much of a, a part that plays and, you know, recognizing that, you know what, I want to be sober. But in order for me to be sober is more than just stop drinking. But I have to deal with whatever this underlying issue is. So what yeah. would you what would you uh what would you say to, to that thought process?
1: I mean, you're exactly right. I think, I mean, I, so from a young age, I think that a lot of men can relate to this. We're taught you don't feel you're, and if you feel you don't show mm-hmm. and you, you polish this stone that's in front of you and you don't show it no matter what. And um, I think sometimes when we polish that stone enough, people don't realize how much it bothers us. And then we're also expected that we need to, we, it doesn't matter how we feel, we have to provide, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So it doesn't matter if you're providing, it doesn't matter how you feel in the meantime as it's happening. So one thing that I've come to realize is that I didn't like myself. Like I didn't like who I was. I didn't accept the person that I was. And really it was because of a lot of different things But it just, I was taught at a young age that I couldn't really do much right. Whether that was on purpose or on accident, that's how I always felt. So I always searched for this validation on the outside. I always needed to be validated and it had to be external because I couldn't give it to myself internally. And I didn't even know that I needed to. So going through sobriety and realizing like, I don't like myself. And at different points, it was, you know, uh, for different reasons, at different points, it was something else, you know, and really it was dependent upon how much was going on in my life period. So when I was working as a lineman, like if I didn't have a lot of overtime and there wasn't much going on, I started to realize that I didn't like myself a little bit more, started to question things that I would do. Um, And then it was, when people were critical, like I took that straight to the heart because that's, that's bias, like a I, I confirmation bias. Like I'm, that's confirmation about what I feel about myself. So that makes it, that made it really hard. Um, but I, I had it at such a deep level too, that I didn't even realize I was doing it. And it was my kids that helped get me out of it. It wasn't, I've been in therapy for about four years now. And um, I got diagnosed with ADHD about three years ago. And so that's really explained a lot of how my brain works. And then that helps me to realize why I do things and then kind of either take corrective action or give myself some grace. Like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. That's just how your brain works. And I realized that I had that void that you were talking about. And I was about to shove my kids inside of it. And that wasn't going to, that wasn't going to heal it
0: mm-hmm. I Did it
1: with alcohol. I did it with friends. I did it with relationships. I did it with work, did nothing. And now I have these kids, these two beautiful little children, and I'm about to take them and think that they're going to fill that hole. And that realization came to me, you know, earlier this year. And since then I've, really focused top of mind to get out of this neutral of look at this piece of crap in the mirror to just get to a level of you know what you're okay you're doing okay you're doing things you need to do and you're starting to feel your emotions and so back to like the numbing of emotions like you almost feel shame when you get emotional right and so and sometimes it's you're told, Oh, show some emotion. And then you start to show it. People, no, 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 not like that. No. <laughs> right. Back away. Like I, I meant you know, by yourself or, you know, in a different way, the way that I think is okay. Right. Um, but when you start to feel your emotions and at first that it really, it, that shame comes, but also you get this fear because you don't know what it is. You don't know why your body's reacting in a certain way and you can't name it. And I think that's the scariest part is you don't know exactly what you're feeling. Is it frustration? Are you, you know, are you consternated? You know, what is it? And these are all big words, but they have meaning behind them that actually relate to life. And when you start to name things, you start to realize, oh, I'm like this because of the, what happened a couple of days ago and it's still, still eating at me and I didn't even realize it. Or I'm like this because I'm hanging on something that I did wrong that everybody else has forgotten about, but I can't let go. So time to let it go. It's okay. We can do something different now. So to identify what that hole is that you have and not just identify it, but understand that it's okay. It's okay to have that hole. It's okay that you have that. Guess what we can do now? We can make life better than what it is. We don't have to be miserable. We don't have to be at a point where nobody cares you're providing. That's not, that's not happiness. That's not fun. Let's get right. put a smile on your face and a real laughter in your belly and let's start living life like we can.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to go back to a, a couple of things that you said, uh, First, the first thing you you talked about, um you are expected to be the the provider, um, and it's kind of regardless of whatever that you're going through, right? And so when I when I talk about my dad, and it's funny because you mentioned that you were a lineman, my dad wasn't a lineman as far as electrical, so to speak, but he worked for the phone company, so he ran phone lines. Yeah, it's more similar, <laughs> you know, very similar, similar, similar. You know, right? Yeah. And so, um, one of the things that was a was a, a turning point uh, in his life, and definitely in in our lives also, was he he worked for the phone company uh, for some years, and then we moved to a different state, and they transferred him to you know to that to the other state, which was cool. Um, unfortunately. After a couple of years of being there, we decided, or not we, because I was a child, but him and my mom decided to move back, you know, to Illinois. And when they moved back to Illinois, um, they wouldn't retransfer him, you know, back to Illinois. Mm. So now you're coming back and they won't give you your job back, you know. And so now we're, we were living a middle-class, upper middle-class lifestyle. And now we're staying in you know, my mom and dad is nine of us. So it's my mom and dad and nine kids. And so you got your yourself, you know, being your my dad and your wife and your nine kids. And you're yeah. all staying in one bedroom in your mom's house, you know. And so to go from here, now you're all the way down to here and trying to find a way out of that, you know. Um, so, To me, you know, I I haven't really had this conversation with my dad. So I'm speaking from a a third person point of view um, as a child then. And but as an adult now and how I evaluate it, um, that was some that was kind of hard to deal with. And Mm -hmm. also on top of that, my uncle, who was my mom's brother, but my uncle and my dad were best friends, like since they were childhood, you know, and my uncle had got killed. Um, around that same time, you know? So you got your best friend from childhood that you spent your whole life with, you know, and now he's gone. And then you come back, you know, to uh, uh, to the state that you were living in and now they won't give you your job back. And now again, you got you, and it's not just you, but it's you, your wife and your nine kids staying in one bedroom in your mom's house, you know, while you try to figure it out. You know, and so I definitely believe that paid a, a, a heavy weight on him, which mm-hmm. was another reason why he started to lean so much, you know, uh, into the drinking because you're not able to provide, you know, and especially is, it, I, I think, is one thing if that's where you always were, you know, like if you always struggled in that area, you know, it's kind of, you know, you could look at it as a way of kind of being like kind of normal. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. well, we, we had to struggle, but it, that's how it always been. Yeah. to come from a middle class life, you know, uh, which is where he was raised, because my grandfather worked for the phone company, you know. So it was the same. Like I said, we have similar stories. Yeah. You know, the same thing. It's like, okay, we used to this lifestyle. And then to, you know, for my dad to also work there and provide this middle class lifestyle for his family and then have the rug pull for months and now you fall down. And now you're trying to uh, figure out, number one, who you are. And and I think that goes also back to, especially with the the older generation who um, connects so much of what they do to who they are. Now you're looking in the mirror and you're like, okay, I'm not a provider. You know what I mean? I'm I'm not this, you know, uh, uh, telephone operator guy that I've been all these years. And I'm not this. And now you're looking in that mirror. You're not liking what you see. And I, I think that was one of the things that my dad dealt with, you know, um, over the years till you know, until he, you know, years later was able to to come out of it. But I think that definitely was one of the things that that he he uh, dealt with. But it's something else that you said that I wanted to address. And you said when you went out, I think you mentioned that this was in your college days and you had went out with your friends and you're supposed to go out. With your girlfriend the next day and you was like you're not going to make it and she said you know like i kind of expected that you know just looking now and, and just me looking at it you know and thinking how you know if this was what your mind was at that time to just hear that like i'm expected to not come through you know what i mean like i'm expected to get drunk i'm expect you know what i'm saying like it's not even a. are you okay is it it's like oh yeah okay you know that's what that's what you do you know and then you have to look in your mirror again that next day and say wow is, is this really the person that i've become you know and and kind of dealing with that so just um from from your point of view because you you also mentioned about your children so how much do you think family plays and i think i guess it's like a a a could be a seesaw, you know, how much of the family or you know who you are in in retrospect of your family, how much does that play to drinking a lot? Or on the other hand, how much a part does it play to make me say, you know what? I'm looking at my family, I'm looking at my wife, I'm looking at my you know uh my loved ones and I want to do better because of them. You know how how much is that kind of how does that play out as far as family and just in your day-to-day to be like, you know what, I'm on this journey and I want to do better because of them.
1: It plays a lot, um, both ways, both ways. Um, one thing that they are opposites on and there's a little bit of a seesaw is when you're going through, you know, trying, you're drinking and trying to find this external validation. Um, Sometimes that's because your family doesn't expect it of you, right? Sometimes it is because your family, I don't want to say pushes you to, but um, your self-esteem is where it is because of maybe childhood, because of maybe, you know, growing up and things that happened uh, either when you were a kid through life, um, you know, how, how it happens. Um, you can look at your family. And I honestly, I believe this, um, you can look at your family. And if you try to get sober for your family, it's not going to work. You'll be able to be sober for a while. But eventually the pull's going to be strong. The reason that you have to want to get sober is for yourself because if you're your best self it benefits everybody else around you and if you want it for yourself then what's going to happen on the outside is not going to get inside as easily and that doesn't mean that it can't be done there are there are times where it does happen but what i've seen and heard from other people as well and what i've experienced myself is it was me making that decision for me because i wanted a family So I wanted to be my best self for them. And that shame and that expectation, like you said, that, wow, I really am not somebody who can be relied upon. I really am this person that I feared I would become. I've become. And just wanting to be better myself was the first step, wanting to better myself. Um, You know, a lot of the time we think that, we have to give something up, right? That's what it is. We're giving something up, but we don't realize what we are gaining. We don't realize the things that we are opening. And really what you're doing is you're just putting this away so that you can go and experience life and you can actually live. And that's, that's where I think it's different. It's not that, it's that the thing that we think, frees us that allows us to be ourselves right we it, it's like this this mirage that's painted in front of us and makes us think that that's it that's the horizon that's what i want but all of a sudden it goes away and you can actually see the real horizon and you're like oh this is different this is <laughs> i like this and you know it's like it's one of those things where like when you're in your you know substance use when you're when you're there, you see the little me and you think that little me is very large. And when you put it away and after a while you start to be able to see the big us and yourself inside of that. And you can start to live a life that you never thought was possible. You were jaded about it. You're like, that's a stereotype. That's not real. They're, they're making that up. They don't really feel that way. They're just like, they're going to extremes for it, but it really, it is real. And you know, family is is big on both sides of it, and it's not always on purpose either side. But ultimately, it comes down yeah, to I think we that person.
0: Uh, <laughs> I think you kind of froze up oh, there, no. uh, R.J. Um, but I, I want to talk about hopefully. Uh, Oh, you're back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was I was just gonna kind of go into the, the next thing because I was hoping you still could hear me. Um, but I, I wanted to talk about something else that you said. You know. Um, and that was giving yourself grace. You know. And I think that that I I love that answer because that kind of goes into your what do you what are you talking about? You know how you see yourself. You know, and giving yourself that grace to say, okay, I am a work in progress, and it's okay as long as I'm making progress. You know, as long as my mind is, you know, I want to get better for myself, and I want to do this for myself. Um, one of the things that I that I uh, talk about um, before, uh, not necessarily on, on this, but it's kind of in the in the same vein is uh, self forgiveness, right? Because, you know, in that progress process of, you know, definitely sobriety, you're looking at who you are, you know, and as being who you are, you are a compound of the choices that you've made, you know, over your, over your life. And when we look at some of the choices that we make, you know, sometimes we hold grudges against ourselves because those choices didn't necessarily work out for our favor, you know, in our favor in the, in the long run. You know, and so it's like, man, I could be so much better if I hadn't have did this, or so I could be, you know, had this job or whatever if I hadn't have done that. And so you kind of hold these grudges against yourself uh, for the decisions that you make, um, which kind of again and uh, kind of uh, strengthens, you know, the the thing to to drink more to try to get away from that. But as you begin to show yourself grace uh, in that space you know, you're able to say, you know, I'm okay. And I made some decisions, you know? So one of the things that i talk about with self-forgiveness, um, and I, I even wrote an ebook about it um, that I have out now uh, on my website. So, and this is the four, four forgiving me, the four steps to self-forgiveness. And so I look at the word self as an acronym. And if we think about these four things, Uh, when we're thinking about forgiving ourselves, it makes it a little bit easier to give ourselves that grace. And so that first, uh, the S stands for season of life, which is what was the season of life that you were in at the time that you made that decision? Because as we go through seasons of, of life, so just as I mentioned about my brother as a teenager wanting to fit in, you know and so he started drinking at an early age because he wanted to fit in so as an adult i can look back and say at that season of life that he was in you know he was just immature he was a teenager you know so now i can give myself grace because of that you know and so the uh the e i asked what was the emotional state that you were in at you know when you made that decision mm-hmm. and so for me um how I, that works with me When my mom passed away a couple of years ago, I was emotionally, I was distraught, you know, emotionally, I wasn't necessarily in a good place. So some of the decisions I may have made in that emotional state may not have worked out, you know, in the long run. But if I can acknowledge that I was just in an emotional state at that time, again, I can kind of start, you know, giving myself that grace. Um, The L would stand for limited information. Because sometimes the decisions that we make is just because we don't have all the information, you know. And I think about you know whether it's alcohol or any other you know uh, recreational drug or you know addiction to whatever it is. Because addiction come in a lot of different forms. If we know um, upfront how it's going to affect us, if we know the outcome, you know, or even some just the possibilities of what could happen, you know. If we had that information at those pivotal moments in our lives, we may have chosen different, you know, we may have made different uh, um, choices. And then the elf simply just stands for, you know, forgiving yourself by remembering that at the time that you made some of the decisions that you made, you were doing the best that you could at that time. You know, and so when we think about it like that, you know, uh, again, that's self-forgiveness, but not just in self-forgiveness, but even of give yourself grace or whatever it is to be able to look at yourself, but give yourself, you know, in those parameters to say, if I look at it how it really was or who I was at that time, then you are able to give yourself that that grace um, and allow yourself to grow, you know, from who you were. And I think that that plays a, a big part. And so when when you're when you're talking about just in your own experience, and as you begin to change and to give yourself, uh, you know, grace even within yourself, what were some of the parameters that you even looked at and said, you know what, you know, I can I can measure myself on this, and I can see the changes that I'm doing, and I'm okay with that, you know. So what were some of the things in your own journey? you know, that you may notice or, or took in consideration to be able to give yourself that grace and be like, you know, you're, you're doing okay.
1: I think the first thing is making a mistake and not berating myself. Um, there was a day a few months ago and it was the first time that I actually realized that I was not at my best. I wasn't feeling good. Um, I might've been a little bit dehydrated. I didn't have very much patience for my boys. And usually I'm very, very patient with them. Um, and I just, the motivation wasn't there. And I used to just like be down on myself. Like, what are you doing? Like, how can you live like this? But that day I was like, I'm not at my best today. That's okay. Like, I know I'm not at my best. This isn't my normal me it's okay to not be at my best. Mm -hmm. That was kind of when I realized that, okay, I've grown to a place where I'm giving myself grace. I'm giving myself space to honestly, just plain and simple, not be my best and realize like, if somebody has a problem with that, that's not a me problem. That's a them problem. And That's not necessarily a place that I want to be is a place where somebody has a problem with me not being at my best. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that we go through life as. We always think we have to do our best, be our best. I know for me, like, I would always think that I'd have to be perfect in every situation. And I would randomly remember times in sixth grade where I was not, I didn't handle a situation very good or... Like I made somebody feel really bad, right? Just like randomly, I remember the exact conversation, and it's like I come to find out like that's that's part of ADHD that's part of um, you know, looking back on and self-loathing and things like that where your brain just brings this stuff back up, right? And so knowing that that is a part of that now that doesn't give me an excuse to rate myself to not like myself but it gives me like reasons like oh that's why i'm thinking about that but you know what and i I love your self acronym because you break down really giving yourself context like what is the context of the situation then is how i kind of look at it and it's like i didn't have the knowledge that i have now i didn't know you could feel your emotions and it's okay like that there is nothing wrong with feeling your emotions despite everything I was taught from the time I was seven or eight till uh, just a few years ago. Like, it's okay when, you know, something really pulls at your heartstrings and you cry. Like, that's another thing where I've given myself a lot of grace is I've cried more this year than I have probably in my previous 25 years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's so good. It feels so good. There's so much that you can do when you cry. And I don't hide from my boys when I'm crying either. I let them see it because I want them to know that emotions are not a bad thing.
0: Right, right. Yeah. So, man, I'm I, I really enjoyed this conversation, uh, RJ. So before we get off, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the podcast, uh, which was birthed out of you know, your your journey uh with sobriety. So tell me a little bit about the podcast and uh the premises of it. And what do you hope that um I'm sure that it is, you know, doing what you wanted to do, but what do you hope on a grander scale that it it adds to the um conversation of, of what you wanted to accomplish?
1: Um so it's birth because when I first went sober, I listened to a podcast with someone who was sober and it made me not feel like, I, made me feel like I was not alone. And so because it made me feel like I, I was not alone, I wanted to give that feeling to other people too. So I wanted to start a podcast and about two and a half years ago, I started out with my brother-in-law and it's really gone through like four different iterations. And so Um, really what it is now is we explore different perspectives in the sobriety. So it's not just about your story, but it's about something else in your life that either you've gone through, you're going through right now, and you've learned lessons from it that maybe we can take. Or we're just living life and we're doing great things. And so we've had people on who, you know, they've, they've really looked into the connection to addiction and adolescence and being a parent and the best way to parent around addiction. Uh, We've had on authors who talked about finding your emotions again and naming them. Obviously that was massive for me. Um, But also we've had people on who are just trying to be loud and talk about addiction because it's okay. It's nothing to be ashamed of. And that's something that I want people to take away is like mental health and sobriety. Sure. They're key words. But it's about that journey and taking that journey and wanting to be your best self. That's what it is.
0: All right, all right. So, RJ, um, again, first of all, let me say thank you again because I see the kids. Like I said, I know you're a family man. So, you could have been doing anything else, <laughs> spending time with your boys, but you took out time to be here uh, with me and the listeners. So, I definitely want to let you know I appreciate that. My um, pleasure. So- I love what well- you're
1: doing. So, I'm Yay. really, really glad you allowed me to-
0: thank- Uh oh. Oh, wow. Uh, we lost RJ. <laughs> we lost RJ. But listen, guys. Uh, first of all, I was letting RJ know that I—I'm uh, sure he'll watch. You know, watch this when it replays. Oh, he's back! Hold on, hold on. We got him. Sorry. There we go. <laughs> I said we lost RJ for a second, but <laughs> it's uh, all good. It's, it's okay.
1: good. me out of the out of the studio.
0: <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. Um, but what I was saying was, uh, I, I appreciate you uh, being on. I appreciate the, the journey and the work that you do. So I want you to have the last word um, to just uh, not only share, you know, the podcast and where we can find it and the, your social media, media, but also just leave us with a word of uh, uh, advice or inspiration or whatever, a word of something that you want to leave us with, you know, and I'll let you think of that uh, for a second, uh, think on that. But uh, to my listeners, guys, um, I told you guys that I would tell you how you can win $100 from the podcast, and it's very simple. You can win $100 from the podcast by entering our Super Subscriber Contest. And what does that mean? That means you must subscribe to our YouTube channel, to our Facebook page, and to our uh, Spotify podcast. And when you do all three of those, then you text the word WIN, W-I-N, to the number 866 326 0730 in order to qualify to win a hundred dollars. So the contest is random and it's ongoing, which means it never stops. So once you're in, you're in, you know. So once you uh enter the contest, you always have a chance to win that hundred dollars uh from the podcast, and it's just that simple. So again, to be our uh, win a hundred dollars from the Podcast, enter our super subscriber contest. In order to enter, you need to subscribe to our YouTube page, to our Facebook page, and to our Spotify uh podcast. I mean to our podcast on Spotify, the uh, audio version. And then after you've done all three, which we will know because they will notify us, <laughs> after you've done all three, then you text the word win, W I N 2866-326-0730. And you qualify for a chance to win a hundred dollars from the podcast. So, uh, one of the things that we talked about today, um, I talked about uh self forgiveness, guys. Um, you can get my ebook on self forgiveness as well as you know, check out my other ebooks that I have uh on uh, on my website of ebooksbyejames.com. So, if you go to ebooksbyejames.com, you can get you know, check out that. Uh, ebook on self-forgiveness. You can also check up, check out the uh, from Males to Men, which is a male mentoring book, uh, ebook for young men. And also I have a, a book called The Four Core, which is the four core values that every daughter should get from her father. So those three are available now. We have many more uh, ebooks that will be coming, but you can find that at ebooksbyejames.com. So RJ, again let me say thank you uh for being on and again i want to give you the last word um share your social media handles and things of that nature and definitely where we can find the podcast and also uh leave us with a word of inspiration and the floor is yours
1: thank you um like i said i i love everything that you're doing it's it's fantastic it's much needed and putting that content out in the world is it's fantastic. So you can find me on social media, untap keg. That's also the podcast. It's on youtube.com slash untap keg. Or you can find it on all podcast platforms. Um, and then you know, for the final word, it's just it's, the more you feel your emotions and the more that you can understand what is happening, you know, with everything. Like there's no shame there. You you can't stop your emotions from happening but you can stop how you react to them. The only way you're going to stop how you react to them is by being patient with yourself. When you can be patient with yourself, you can be patient with other people too, including kids. (laughs) It helps helps being a parent, but also being your best self. And when you, you are your best self, it's better for everybody else around you. That includes your kids. That includes your spouse. That includes your parents and your friends. So if you want to be there for them, you have to be your best self.
0: That's it. We can't end it no better than that. uh, Except one way, Uh, RJ. Since they're there, let the boys come on and say hi.
1: Hey, do you guys want to say hi? Come here and say hi. Come
0: here. You say hi. 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 I can't hear. Hi. (laughs) Hi, how you doing? What's your name? Anali. Hey. Okay. My name is Ernest. I just wanted to say hi. I saw you saw you playing. I just wanted to speak to you. Say hi. How you doing?
1: I'm uh, happy. Oh,
0: he's, he's, he's talking. to yeah. <laughs> That was great. That's great. Again, Thank RJ you. man, I, I love it. I love it. I love the family. Like I said. uh you know, before we start recording, hey, I love it when the family shows up, especially when you're a family man. Uh, so I, I, I love it. You know, I, it I doesn't bother it. me, and I don't. Hopefully, it doesn't bother any other listener. And if it does, yeah, too bad. You yeah, know? they've,
1: been, they've been in probably about 20 of my episodes as well. Probably more, honestly. <laughs>
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I love it. I love it. That means you're, you're doing what dads do, right? We we work and we juggle it and we and we make it work. So again, RJ, I appreciate you for being here. Appreciate you for taking our time from your family to spend with me and my listeners. And I appreciate it to all my listeners. Listen, uh again, thank you guys for tuning in to the Deal to Heal with e. Jane's podcast. And we're on a mission to help people to deal to heal and fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill your purpose. And so until next time, you guys, we'll see you next week. Be blessed. Hey, guys, I know you're enjoying the podcast. However, don't forget... oh it's not going. Hey, guys, I know you're enjoying the podcast. However, don't forget to join our text line at 866- 326- 0730. That's 866- 326-0730 oh, in order to receive text messages with new events and things that is going on and new episodes as they release. Alright, see you in a minute. Thanks for listening to the Deal to Heal with E James Podcast. Remember to listen, like, subscribe, and share. This episode has been brought to you by Deal to Heal teas some inspiration in your situation. Wear an inspirational tea and be inspired all day. Let's go to deal dot com. Remember, our mission is to help you to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for listening.